Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Reckless speculation from the TCL Broadcast Studios. You're listening to Mackie and Judd, TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. Now launching. Mackie and Judd. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? Turnover, Nebraska. There's Coffee. Coffee lays it up and in. McGrayer off the glass. That's Coffee. Beg your pardon. It'll count and one. McGrayer up top for three. Big time shot there for McGrayer. The second made three for the Gophers tonight. Murphy kicks it out. Coffee for three. Nebraska. Auburn it three. It's still loose. Auburn back. It was deflected by Nebraska. It's Coffee. Two more. A career high 32 for Coffee. He finds out Monday. Mother passes Monday. And I tell him to stay home. Don't go to practice. Um, and he, he, you know, we FaceTimed and he said he was with his girlfriend. And I said, just, you know, whatever you need, man, we want to help you. Uh, you don't need to play. Don't worry about basketball. And he, you know, he said to me, he's like, Coach, I'm, no, I'll, I'll be there tomorrow, practice. Um, and we talked afterwards. I just said, how did it feel to get away from all that just for a little bit? Um, you know, but obviously he was emotional. I mean, that, that, that's, it's heartbreaking to see. I mean, you know, I, I just, uh, she was a great lady and uh, one of my favorite moms. And she was supportive. Um, she was a cool lady and uh, raised a... A great kid. I don't care about basketball. She she raised a really really good kid, and I mean she worked at Rikers Island for 30 years, never complained. And she told me over the summer that um, she said, "Coach, I'm uh, I'm retiring." And I said, "Why?" She goes, "I don't want to see Dupree play his senior year." Have you been in a more emotional game than this one? I've not. Um, I'm proud of you know to do that. When you lose your mom at this age, it's really, really hard. So I'm proud yeah, of you. Yeah, I think everybody got a little emotional at the end of the game. I mean, obviously, um, that was a great feeling, just knowing we could get that for, for pre, knowing what he's going through, and we could fight for him. Uh, he, had, he had a big shot down the stretch, and so we were so proud of him. And, uh, to do what he's doing right now is near, next to impossible. I mean, I can't even imagine what he's going through. And so uh, I'm just proud of him, proud of him knowing him for as long as I have. And uh, I just know it's, a pleasure. it's been a pleasure playing with him. He's definitely one of the toughest guys that I've never known. Chip Scoggins, for as jaded as we are or can be about sports, yeah, I will say there are moments when when you are when we all are collectively reminded why sports can be special and mm. sports can be so much cool and sports can be healing. 
and watching Dupree McBrayer play last night and hit a key three-point shot and maybe not even have a great game, but you know what? He played last night. Yeah. His mom died on Monday. His mom was 58 years old. Mm-hmm. That was a reminder of why sports, even for those of us that spend our time criticizing, nitpicking, and and uh, fretting about starting quarterbacks and things like that, last night at Williams Arena is why sports can be so special. Yeah, and I think that uh, the thing that added to it was just all the love he felt in that arena last night. And it started with, what, Nebraska coming out with the special T-shirts they made. Tim Miles had shirts made for warm-ups. And you saw cool. the reaction of Tim Miles in the handshake line after the game. Really had a nice moment with Dupree and then um, Patino, how choked up he was. And it, it they, they I think the reaction would be like that for any player, but I, I think it does speak to how how he's viewed within the program and how popular and, and just the leadership he has in that program, mm-hmm. that he's a very well-respected guy and, and understand, you know, how difficult this is going to be on him because his mom raised him. Yeah. Right? And he She played, raised three and, boys. And, and the kid played, too. Yeah. And it he, would have been very e- easy to go home and be absolutely. like, I can't do this, not tonight. Yeah, and so it, it was, uh, I'm sure for him... He was probably floating on air, just feeling the love and the re- reaction he was getting from everybody. I'm sure it just lifted him up. 13 points down, too. 13 points yeah, down, a- early second half. And and keep in mind, this was coming off the Ohio State loss on Sunday. where They didn't make a three-point shot. There was something like 0 for 12 or 13 and and lost by 20 points. Yeah, and come you know coming off that, if they would have lost that game, then you would have started to wonder about their confidence and really how good this team is. And, and they obviously have their flaws, now, Coffee was great last night, but they don't have the traditional point guard. This is our leader. We're going to, you know, play 30 minutes. Isaiah Washington is too inconsistent to be that yeah, guy. Yeah, he, so he's far. just not ready to be that guy. And so, shooting, they've had, you know, some poor shooting nights. But I think that's sort of going to have to be how they win, just kind of grind out wins. And mm-hmm. that's what that was. And so, getting Curry back obviously is going to be a big, big boost for them. Um, it's a shame because you know you saw the way he played as a freshman, and and but I think that's going to be huge for him. And then if if they can sort of just figure out that point guard situation, and well, what's the answer there? Well, I don't know. It's going to be Marcus Carr. <laughs> you yeah, know, it's exactly. going to be Marcus Carr. Yes, and you want you would hope that Washington would make a big step in his development, but with him, it's just the flashes. Still, you see really good moments, and then moments where he you have to take him off the floor because he's killing you. So it's just that inconsistency. And then, obviously, you've been waiting on Coffee because you, you know he has a big-time skill potential with uh, being able to score more than what we've seen from him because he just he's a unique player yes. with his size, length, um, ability to drive. And so if he can – I'm not saying he's going to score 32 points or whatever it was every night, but if he can become more assertive like that all the time mm-hmm. – then they're a different team for sure. Speaking of that, here is a post game after Amir Coffey's big game last night. Here's Richard Pitino on what he told Coffey before the game. Before the game, I said, you know, I'm sick and tired of going into every game, and they talk about Murph for us, and then they talk about all the potential pros on the other team. Uh, when are they going to start talking about you? Um, and that's on you. You know, we'll put you in positions, but you got to be aggressive. And uh, he did that tonight. You know, I mean, he kept attacking. Um, he took care of the ball and turned it over twice. Um, you know, so he, he was terrific. 32 points, six rebounds, six assists. And um, he, he was in foul trouble, actually had three in the first half. Yeah. So he got he got taken out, I think, after about 33 
minutes in the first half, but that second half and that comeback, Amir Coffey was very impressive. Yeah, and it, and it, uh, Patino had the right thing, be aggressive. And that's the thing. I mean, sometimes he he has a this tendency to want to be the facilitator and not be assertive. And when he he's such a unique player with his size and length. And if he can really be in attack mode a lot more, I think he's just, I mean, you're going to see his game really blossom because he's, he's a tough guy to defend. Oh, yeah. No, he's a good he's a good player. But but he, he was actually asked post-game himself about Patino's comments. And he said, well, yeah, I mean, I don't really have a re- I mean, I, I just think he's a laid-back kid. Yeah. So he's not going to get super upset. He's not going to. He is very, very talented. But, again, it comes back to can you harness that on the floor during the course of a game? Or can you bring it out not not right yeah and and but like how how do you tap into that from a person's personality if they're not if they're not built like that if i'm patino i sit him down and show him a replay of that second half and say this is exactly what we want now it's not always going to be the scoring but if you're in attack mode then you can driving dish you can driving kick and those type things and so if they can bottle up that second half or you know and and play at that level all the time then he is the nba player What's your thought about this? They announced, and it was a loud crowd last night. It was very boisterous, but they announced 9,000 plus last night, which is not a great crowd. Patino's in his sixth year, and I actually like the guy. Yeah, I like him, but that being said, Mark Coyle's got a hockey coach in his first year in an arena that they don't draw in now. Mm-hmm. The hockey games are empty. The football coach is going nowhere for quite a while, and he's not drawing. And Williams, if they win, they will draw, but they're not consistent enough. Do you think that Patino, what do you think would put him on the hot seat? Because I do think of all the coaches from the revenue sports at that school right now, he's probably the easiest guy to look at and say, you had six years, it shouldn't be like this. That To me, though, that's that was kind of the narrative before the season. Now, he's on the hot seat, and I saw one nationally uh, outlet said he's the number one coach on the hot seat. I could not disagree more. And, Why? And, and, Interesting. Why? And talking to Cole, he's... Cole likes him a lot. Mm-hmm. He thinks he's a good coach. I don't think he's on the hot seat in the least. And now, if the, the bottom falls out and they win two more games the rest of the season, and no one's going to the game, then you have a, you know you might have an issue. But I can tell you, Mark Cole likes him a lot. Knows he's a good coach. I think I think Patino's a good coach. Now they've had some really you know weird collapses, and you can't just excuse them all for for injuries and off the field stuff. But I think he's a good coach. Um, you know, they, he had some recruiting misses early on that really hurt his depth, and so that's why they got so thin, and they're still thin, I think. But um, I don't, you know, this this whole thing that oh, he's it's got to this is a make or break year for him. I I don't get that sense. I really don't. So, in your conversations with Mark Coyle, how concerned do you think he is about attendance for the for football, uh, basketball, and hockey? And, and when's the pressure going to start to come back on him to start to draw or do something? Because, Chip, when you look at hockey, football, and basketball, if one of them was drawing a lot, you'd say, okay, the yeah. other two need help. But you've got a situation here where your absolutely key revenue sports are are either empty or not drawing as they probably should. It's a major, major issue. And it's something I can tell you that talking to people that they're concerned about. They, and, and they should be. And I go back to their their tickets are overpriced. That scholarship seating killed them. So just roll it back. I mean, roll it back. 
That's yeah, like, and, and that, I, to I me, that. Roll yeah, I, I would roll it back, and, and it's easy for me to sit here and spend someone else's money, and it's easy to say do that when they're counting on their revenue. But but they're not drawing. If you want to continue to have not even half-filled buildings, then you know that's that's what's going to happen. Now, if you can, you win. People are going to come. We know that. Um, I think if you know the Gophers can get on a roll basketball-wise. The barn's going to fill back up. I think, that's, I think that's the easiest one because there's still that kind of connection with this fan base. Mm-hmm. Um, hockey, I think they're way overpriced. Way overpriced. And they're in trouble. And Hockey's just in trouble. Yeah. I love the sport, but they're in big trouble. Yeah. You got a mediocre product right there. I'm and, over and, there right now. And the Gophers, if anybody tells me again, get over the Big Ten, the no, no, you did this. And it started the ball. Now, I understand that there's problems yeah. well beyond the conference. But don't it's not your it's not your right to tell me as a fan that I should or shouldn't care now. So hockey hockey is I think in big trouble. Mm-hmm. Football if you win they'll come basketball but, more so. But what I don't get about about these sports and the ticket prices is this. It can't help you to say that we're going to stand firm on our prices when if they would roll back the prices and just get butts and seats, now you're selling food. Right mm-hmm. now, you're selling merchandise. You're doing none of that right now. None. It's a gamble. I mean, you're you're banking on people saying, "Okay, now if the tickets are lowered, I'll come." Will they? I'm sure some of them would, but but what but percentage? Would ta- but wouldn't you take that chance? I I think I, think, th- you have I to. think at this point when you, you gotta do something. I think right? in football, when you look at those football crowds, you have to try something because what was it? They barely broke sixty the final three games. That's not going to work. Oh, the football was embarrassing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Embarrassing. But I just, they they hold firm. I, I want to say, some, somebody told me a while back, a hockey ticket near the glass was something like 85, it's a, it's 80 bucks. Absurd. Yeah. You've got the wild here now. Yeah. People people forget that when there was a waiting list at Mariucci for quite a few years, that was right around the same time the North Stars left town. That was the best hockey product in town for mm-hmm. a while, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's not now. And yeah. and if people are going to the X, they're paying big bucks. So if I'm the Gophers, hockey wise, I say to myself, who can I get? And my answer is the family that can't afford the Wild. Yeah, and I, I think there's part of the faction that says, well, they got the right coaches in place. Once they start winning, people will come back. I don't know that that's enough, Judd. I think you have to take a long, hard look at your pricing and say, you know what? Let's give them more incentive to come back. And if they win too, and that's going to draw more people, mm-hmm. okay, th- there you go. That's it's it, you're approaching it from two prongs. TCL Broadcast Studios, let's take a break, come back, uh, talk about what transpired at Target Center last night. Mackie and Judd Phil will join the show at 4 o'clock. Until then, Zolgad, Chip Scoggins, Manny Hill, Jonathan Harrison. Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. Do I have your word on that, sir? Mackie and Judd. Absolutely. On 1500 ESPN. What is it you're trying to say? Now, back to Mackie and Judd. What? On 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. And uh, I've got one closing and one crash to tell you about. Uh, First, the closing on uh, State Highway 47 up in Anoka between Pleasant Street and Garfield Street West. Uh, Both directions are closed. That's because uh, they're repairing a railroad crossing. So uh, if you're both directions on uh, State Highway 47, uh, up in Anoka are closed, so be on the lookout for that. And also, uh, 494 westbound, we've got a crash in Richfield uh, between Highway 77, uh, which is Cedar Avenue, and 12th Avenue South, causing about a four-minute delay.
Towns trailing the play, straightaway three, has it! How about that? We just talked about the versatility of Carl Anthony Towns. Towns with the spin and the finish. What a night it's been for Towns. What an unbelievable player. Towns puts it on the deck. Gets inside. What a finish by Towns. Yeah, I just think we gel well. I think the guys like each other. Um, we feel comfortable with one another. And, you know, we're letting Cat and those guys lead. And they're coming down. We're responding well. We're playing hard on both ends. And um, the results are shown. All right, gentlemen. We can talk all we want about Wiggy's pop-up games. And they're fun when they happen, and we can discuss them. We can talk all we want, and I'm not downplaying this, about Covington's presence here. And he's mm -hmm. meant a lot, and defensively he's been fantastic, and that's all great. Mm -hmm. But what we saw last night at Target Center is the absolute lifeblood and key to this franchise. And it's one thing and one thing only, and I don't care about anything else. Carl Anthony Towns. And this is, this is why we talked about getting rid of Butler ASAP when Butler made it clear that he did not want to be here and was going to be a pain in the ass. Because what Carl Anthony Towns did last night in the fourth quarter, and he took over that game completely, and the ball went through him, and everything that we had asked for for how long now happened. Three years. This yeah. is this is the absolute most important thing. Everything else can be nice, and, but it's ever, but everything else is ancillary. This is the most important thing. Yeah, and we've been waiting for this for you know a while, and it does take Time, right, Manny? Mm -hmm. I mean, these guys are coming into the league when they're 19. And it's it's one thing to be a great player and have a lot of skill, but it's another to walk into a locker room and be the guy and that everybody's going to listen to and to assert yourself in that way. And, you know, whether Butler stunted that with, with Towns, obviously he did because he was such a dominant personality that I think Towns just kind of said, well, I'm going to you know, stay in the background <laughs> here and let Jimmy do all the, you know. Now it's like, hey, this is your team. You're the best player. You're the leader. You've been in the league long enough to to have that authority um, to step up and say things to when your team needs buckets in the fourth quarter, go get them. You're not going to defer to Jimmy. You're not going to defer to Wiggins or anyone else. This is you, you go do it. Mm -hmm. And so it's it it started with 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 Butler being gone, and then now you can just see it taking shape. Mm -hmm. Right, and I think you're going to see it continue to take shape until where there's no disputing. This is absolutely his team. He's the leader. He's the best player, and then everyone else fill in around him. And I think when you look back at the, making the initial trade to bring Jimmy here, where I think Tibbs made the mistake was bringing Jimmy in here, and then basically, maybe without even actually saying it, saying Jimmy, this is your team. Now. Oh, without doubt. He brought him in here, and Jimmy all of a sudden became the guy. This became his team, and basically usurped everything that any any sort of notion of it being Cat's team well, at all it went he, out the window. Because he was older, he was the all star, yep. he was the established, and he was Tibbs's guy, and he was Tibbs's guy. And so, I think Towns took a step back and said, "Well, I don't want to step on his toes because mm -hmm. you know he he's the elder statesman here. Forget that; he's gone. <laughs> That's history. Now, yes. now you step up and." You are the guy, yeah. and I just think his personality. I I think he can handle it. I mean, I think he has that type. Wiggins, no, Towns absolutely can handle it, and he has the game, obviously the skill to be that. Because you know, if you're going to be able to be that leader, you need to play like that on the floor, and he will. And this is why chemistry is so important. And this Huge. is also why it's massive. And this is the funniest thing, but the swing and the miss that we all made on Jimmy Butler now, uh, to me, is. Plain as day and very, very simple. Jimmy Butler is Tibbs. 
He has tips. Mm. We mm-hmm. thought he'd be the conduit. Covington's yeah. a conduit, right? Mm-hmm. Covington can go tell you defensively he knows what Tibbs wants. And he's a smart dude. So he'll go tell players, this is what he wants. We can do this. I'm good. We'll be fine. We all thought that Jimmy was going to do that, but he wasn't. Jimmy Tibbs Tibbs cloned himself as a good good basketball player. Well, yeah, yeah, that's the leadership part. But just the on-court stuff. I mean, how many times did we scream and say, run the offense through Towns? Mm -hmm. He's your most skilled, unique player. And there would be halves where he would take three shots and we're like, what? What well, is the plan here? How about the fourth here? quarter shots? Mm-hmm. Butler 0-4 last season, correct? Mm-hmm. 0 for 11 in like game potential game winning shots. I think in like yeah. the last ten seconds does, of a game. How is Cat not touching the ball there? Mm-hmm. And and if Jimmy hadn't been Tibbs, if Jimmy had been a conduit, if Jimmy had no had had utilized the role that we thought he would, he would have made damn sure. I can I guarantee you, Robert Covington in a similar situation, is going to make absolutely sure that Cat gets the ball. And the fact, going back to my earlier point, too, the fact that Tibbs, when he brought Jimmy in here, he basically handed handed Jimmy the keys. He didn't do any sort of empowering of Towns to say, like, okay, we're bringing Jimmy in, and Jim's Jimmy's a battle-tested guy. He's an all-star. He's a terrific player. But Cat, like, this is... We still want to yeah. build the foundation of this team around you. And Tibbs didn't, he never did that. And how much, too, do you think it's just the natural part of Towns growing up and maturing in the league? Whereas. Mm-hmm. But it could have been expedited. Could have been. They, they, could've stu- been. they stunted it. But That's yeah, on they them. did. They did. That's they absolutely did. But it, but it, it also, I think, is. I don't know if this is the right play, but just becoming comfortable in your own skin. Where when you're 19, it's just hard to but, come in and be a leader of an NBA team. Sure. But didn't it, but didn't it frustrate you? See. And that's not to put I'm them off you. the hook and, at all. And I'm with you. Andrew's not, he's never going to do it. He's going to have pop-up games. It, and I yeah. think that's just him. I accept it, okay? But what frustrated me and what always frustrates me is when, is when as a fan or in our business, you look at things and, and say to yourself, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Carl Anthony Towns, how long did we say you've got to mold everything around him to make him as comfortable as possible, to make him do what he did last night? Because that was always there. Yeah. What you have to do is empower him. Mm-hmm. And say because if you go to Wiggy and do that, one out of five games he might be like, "Oh, this is awesome, I'll do it." And the four games besides that, he'll he'll be a lost cause. But Carl wanted that opportunity, mm-hmm. and to watch how the Wolves stunted that to me was incredibly frustrating because what what we saw last night is always there. Yeah, and as, as a guy said, I'm gonna go take this right this yes. moment. But this, you hand it to him moment, and say, "Here's how." Yeah, this moment requires me to go take it, and he did, and that's where. Now you just want to see close game, fourth quarter, Towns, you're option one. Every single time, you are option one. And it hasn't been that way. You know what I've noticed now in the 12 games since the Butler trade, in which they're 9-3, and three, even in the games in which they've lost, they're not, they're not frustrating to watch anymore. Correct. No, they're fun to yeah. watch now. Even, yeah. even, on, even, on, team, Saturday, even on Saturday when yeah. they lost to the Celtics and they didn't play well, but the whole time I'm watching the game, I wasn't watching it with frustration. I wasn't like, why aren't they doing this more? They need to be doing this, and Cat needs to get more touches. And it it wasn't frustrating. It was disappointing because they lost the game and they didn't play that well. But it wasn't like this, I got to pull all my hair out because I can't stand anything that they're doing. And they're not playing as hard as they should. And they don't, you know, and they look so miserable. Like, they well, don't. Well, they, they look so miserable winning 47 games last that, year. That's it, uh, Manny. When a team looks miserable, 
And even if they win, does it really make you feel good if you're watching them? Like, well, no, this, this team doesn't even like playing guys, together. <laughs> guys, this is what I have long called a joyless exercise. My hockey team's got the same problem. The Wild wins a lot of games, and I think that was a joyless experience to watch. Mm-hmm. Now, the Wolves were on steroids. The Wolves with Butler, <laughs> it was awful. But how But how many, ga- how many games have you watched the Wild win? And, and as I call them, it's the Furious Rallies. Mm-hmm. And they win it almost yeah. in spite of themselves. The thing with the Wolves right now is, yes, yes, they are rallying in second halves. But it's as a team. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not it's like, fun. oh, my God, we're down. We all hate each other's guts. I guess we should try harder. It's actually, oh, no, you did something. It's productive. Yeah, it's it, it looks like, before it looked like five guys, five cabs, right? Yes. I mean, that's how they played. Yep. Now it looks like this was like a team, a team that mm-hmm. enjoys playing together, a team that likes each other. And, you know, you don't have the drama. You don't have all that other nonsense. And so it's fun. I mean, you know. I think fans will recognize this is actually a fun team to watch now. It's amazing how sending one guy out of town can completely or how one guy the can sabotage a team. Yeah, but, <laughs> you know, but think, organization. But think yeah. about it too. It's sending one guy out. It's bringing in at least one, if not two, who who get it completely. Mm-hmm. And then I think the most important thing goes back to it's taking towns and saying, "Okay, it's your baby now." Yeah, mm-hmm. which they should have said. If but was he was he ready? I think he was ready at the start of this year for sure, and I think hanging on to Butler was for because of that was, be. was crazy. But the thing about this is, and we don't know, and I don't know if Tibbs knew or not. But the one thing about Butler was, if you knew what he had turned into, it was a disaster mm-hmm. to bring him here because we thought that he would be sort of like what Derrick Rose has been, mm-hmm. what Taj has been. Tibbs has brought in some really good veteran guys, to his credit. But in Butler's case, as I said, the only description I can give you is it's almost like Tibbs cloned himself as a good (laughs) basketball player and brought him in because he he belittles people, he yelled constantly. What did he do constructively? And Covington, it seems like every game does something constructively. And and Covington doesn't... Covington... I don't think so far has basically in the post game said, look at me, look at how I'm playing defense. He's talking about team and things like that. Yeah. What did mm-hmm. Butler always say? They got to do more. They, 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 they don't, they don't play as hard as me. They don't, they yeah, don't match they my energy. Win without me. <laughs> so here is a Teague again from last night after the win. Yeah. I just think we gel well. I think the guys like each other. Um, we feel comfortable with one another and, you know, we're letting Cat and those guys lead mm-hmm. and they're coming out. We're responding well. We're playing hard on both ends. And the results are shown. I don't think we've ever seen a situation in season in this town, sports-wise, go from this toxic to this good. This quickly. Boy, this quickly, no. I mean, Moss uh, Moss turned the Vikings in 2010 more toxic, but that, his departure didn't, didn't... They were already there, there, It yeah. didn't fix it. No. No, this has been a 180. I mean, an absolute 180. Let's do this. Let's take a break. Come back. TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd. Phil joins the show at 4 o'clock. Until then, Zolgat Scoggins Hill. Mackie and Judd resume things following these messages. That's just about the most fantastic scheme I've heard to date. On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Okay, man. On 1500 ESPN. Well, he's moving around a little bit. Um, and then the guys take off. You know, they're, uh, they're 
second in the league in red zone touchdown percentage. So, you know, a lot of that has been, you know, obviously they can they run the ball well, and then, uh, you know, he moves in the pocket and guys get open. And, you know, they've, they've had some guys where they've, had, they've been pretty open too. Mike Zimmer talking today at a uh, press conference Thursday, a press conference for Zoom instead of Wednesday, Chip Scoggins, because the Vikings play on Monday night against Seattle, a game that you're going to be at. I will be there. Can I run a Twitter poll that our guy Matthew Collar posted today past you that I find to be very interesting? Yeah. So Collar saw that the uh, our clicks on Vikings coverage is not as good as it was a year ago. It's down, and he's like, I wonder why. So, being a youngster, he put out a Twitter poll, which is very smart. He said, he said, I've noticed kind of a lull in Vikings Twitter activity. How are you feeling about the season? And then his options, his four options that he put out for people to vote on were mostly given up, waiting for playoffs, still all in, and who are the offensive linemen in the 2019 draft? In a few hours, it's gotten 1,559 votes, which is a lot of votes. Um, And the results to me are very intriguing about a team that had Super Bowl aspirations and now is, what, 6-5-1? and Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, 32% say mostly given up. 32% say who are the offensive linemen in the 2019 draft? So we're at 64%. That's that's given up. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. 23% say waiting for the playoffs. And 13% say still all in. I find this to be very intriguing. Now, you've got four games left, and I get that the season has been disappointing for what the expectations were. But... 64% 64% basically in some ways saying that's all she wrote is uh, somewhat surprising. Yeah, it's well, it it doesn't surprise me that the enthusiasm is down from last year because you go 13 and 3 versus 6 5 and 1 right now. Um, but I think it's just the inconsistency and, and the way the season has gone where, you know, they look good, look bad, look good, look bad. The offensive line's a mess, uh, different things, the turnovers, the, you know, Zimmer's been the critique of his offensive coordinator. I just think people sort of kind of thrown up their hands. Now, do that poll if they win on Monday night, and it's going to look well, a lot different. I'm, I'm you know, curious. That's how it, totally right. turn? Yeah, oh, absolutely it will. If they, win, if they go out there and win Monday night, do the same poll, and I guarantee you're going to get different results. It, it's just the kind of the, the fans are probably riding the same way that the team is. Don't you think? Um, I think they might be to a certain degree. I'm just surprised that with four games left, I get I get the frustration. And if you were if you had won four or five games, they've won six. Mm-hmm. Then then the apathy or potential apathy wouldn't surprise me. I think it's just the way they've looked at time. The Bears game last week, where it's just there's a lot of flaws, and so I think the fans look at it and be like, or like, well. Well, and, and it just doesn't look like a Super Bowl team, you know. And that, that, that was point, the expectation. To that point, the fact that they have not beaten one, not one with team with a winning record, mm-hmm. is incredible. That is yeah. that is the remarkable thing. And I think that's sucked a lot of the wind out of the sails of, of the fan base. That yeah, you have six wins, but you've kind of beat up on some bad teams. And whenever there is well, uh, Chicago, New England, when there's a big game, they've fallen flat. What is your opinion of this whole um, Zim flip? Yeah. I don't know if it's a falling out, but it's definitely Zim definitely doesn't feel as if he's being given what what he wants on a consistent basis against good teams. No, and and the fact that he's been public two of the last three weeks and he hasn't really made you read between the lines too hard with you know his frustration and so, but he goes back. To, let's go back to the Green Bay game that they won two weeks ago, and he said. 
Called a great game. We had the bounce, blah, blah, blah. Came out in the postgame press conference and did unprompted. it unprompted. Yeah, unprompted. And I don't know that the run pass was any different dramatically, but what was different? They didn't turn the ball over. They didn't turn the ball over. They didn't over turn the ball I, over. Do you, it did feel like they completed and or used the short passing game more effectively. They had a couple of jet screens. sweeps in there. They had a jet sweep the in there. touchdown. Yeah. yeah. And so there are uh, some new wrinkles in there, but I think it comes back to, I think the turnovers just drive him nuts. And I think he looks at it as a product of passing the ball so many times, you know, the sack strips, the interceptions. And so, but I I, I have to think of it as, as, Flip is probably looking at it as he wants me to run the ball. We cannot run the ball consistently with this offensive line. You, you, when you're trying How to pound it up in there, you're, then, though, with Dalvin Cook. Well, that that's a you know that's a uh, that's an adjustment, and that that I think you should use because it does no good to be in th- third nine all time, Judd. Because you tried to yeah, run up the middle, and you're that. getting stuff. So you have to yeah. you have to make adjustments. Try to do th- different things to use the screen game, use the jet sweep, and we saw that against Green Bay, and so. Maybe that's the alternative versus just kind of the traditional runs. All right. So here's my frustration though about this team. And here's my frustration about the about their frustration about the the offense and how it runs. Kirk Cousins came here with a resume. A resume that said he fumbles the ball. He is not he is prone he is prone to turn over the football. Like this is not new. This is not Red a quarterback. Zone, yeah. yeah. I just so so nothing about what Kirk has done is really surprising. It might be disappointing mm-hmm. considering the cash he's making now and that contract, but nothing about what he's done is shocking. John D. Filippo hadn't called play since what, 2015 in Cleveland? Mm-hmm. So there was a long so and by the way, in Philadelphia, he not only was not the primary play caller, he was the third guy. Peterson, Reich, Reich and, then, and then him. Yeah. All right. So when Zim gets frustrated and or, as as you said, you know, the fumbles drive him crazy, the picks drive him crazy, the play calling drives him crazy, I keep saying, this all comes back on you. This is you. You guys hired Flip. You guys signed Kirk. And and it's as if you guys expect them to be somebody who, who they're potentially not. And so for you to be frustrated is perplexing to me. That, I wrote that for my column on Monday. It... Um... And that, I made that point. It's like, what exactly did you think you were getting? You know, you were right. you're getting three yards in a cloud of dust here. I mean, he's coming from Doug Peterson, who was last year was everybody was talking about how innovative and creative and aggressive um, of a play caller he is. And you come from that Andy Reid tree. And so, and let's be honest, too. DeFilippo's getting a lot of buzz about he's the next, you know, guy to be a head coach. Which right now is confusing. That me. is confusing. But, but I don't get that. Well, in the, in the sense that it's not when you look around, look at the league, young, uh, offensive minded, and he's probably looking around seeing all these the way the you know NFL is going with all these passes, high scoring. Mm-hmm. What what are the fashionable teams right now? Chiefs, Rams, Saints. All these teams are scoring. You know, Nagy's getting a job, right? But they've got quarterbacks that you don't have. See that? That's yeah. the thing is you've got to remember. You've got to remember if you're the Vikings, you went out and got who you perceive to be the best quarterback on the free agent market, and you're paying him too much. Yeah, but he's but not now a, you're expect- he's not an average quarterback. But now you're expect. But now, but now you're expecting him to be somebody he's not. I think. Like you've got to tailor. You've got yeah, you, but Judd can't have handcuffs. I mean, you're paying a guy eighty four million, and right? But that doesn't mean that you can forsake the run game. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, but but it's also on Zim. I will say this: 
this to make game, sure this happens. I will say this. The Patriots game was the first time when Zim said that. I really agree with him. Because Dalvin Cook was gashing him. He was averaging, what, nine yards a carry, and he and they finished with 13. I thought he totally abandoned him after they had that he quick. Did. When they had that quick drive to go up 17-10, you're still in the game. Keep pounding. And I think he panicked at that point, like Zim said they probably did. So I, I totally agree with uh, what Zimmer's saying there. But I also looked earlier in the year where they could not run the ball. And, well, you just can't be in third and nine all the time. you got to try to throw. And so I, I don't know what the right answer but is. But the Patriots game, why don't you? If you're I, Zim, he was wrong there. That was but if a, you're Zim, you go to him and say, we got to run the ball. Like, you're standing well, right. Yeah. And, if that, and if that means that, that you have to give up some of your precious defensive play calling to do it, then you do it. Well, and he, he mentioned that, and maybe that's the next step because you're the head if, coach. if you're not involved in it and then you, you know, you're not putting a stop to it, it's hard to come back afterward, the fact, and say it. We have breaking Twins news. We will get to that next. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oh, that's just what they'll be expecting us to do. On 1500 ESPN. Now, back to Mackie and Judd. Hello, boys. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. So what do you think? It's <laughs> pretty cool, I guess. On 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check traffic here. 35W northbound. We got a crash near New Brighton between 694 and Ramsey County Road 96. That is causing a uh, five-minute delay, so be on the lookout for that. Also, 94 eastbound. We got a crash in St. Paul between Snelling and Hamlin. Uh, It's causing about a three-minute delay, so uh, folks got to be careful out there. All right, everybody, pull over to the side of the road. Because I got Twins news for you, and I don't want anyone veering into a ditch. I don't want to talk about any more crashes, people. The Twins news is this. The second base dilemma for opening day 2019 has been solved, and no, it won't be Nick Garden. And it doesn't look like it's going to be Polanco, because the, the Twins have signed Jonathan Scope, formerly of the Baltimore Orioles and Milwaukee Brewers, to a one-year $7 million deal per Ken Rosenthal. He can play both short and second, but he's more of a second baseman. I'll give you the good news first, Chip Scoggins. Mm -hmm. In 2017, he hit 293 with 32 home runs and 105 runs batted in in 160 games for the Baltimore Orioles in his age 25 season. That led to an all-star berth, and also he was 12th in MVP voting. That's the good news. The bad news is last season in Baltimore, things didn't go nearly as well. And in 85 games, he hit 244 and had 17 home runs. So he's got some pop in the bat. And um, he had 40 runs batted in. He was then traded to Milwaukee as they were in the pennant race. And Baltimore was absolutely dumping. This is in his age 26 season, by the way. Mm-hmm. And in Milwaukee, he became pretty much unplayable. Hitting 202 in 46 games, he had four home runs and 20 ru- 21 runs batted in. So Jonathan Scope, one year, seven mil. Yeah, this is... Uh, it- just looks like a prove it type deal, right? Yes. Are you the all star? Are you the guy that played last year? This is on, the deal that Doge is going to get. Yeah. Somewhere, oh, yeah. right? Oh yeah. Yeah. This is just not here in the new baseball right. economics. This is what it is, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of guys that you're going to have a lot of prove it deals, and you know it's probably it, it, like you said, it insulates them with Nick Gordon, gives them a little, uh, so they don't feel like they have to rush him up here and play him right away if he's not ready. You play him, and if he falters, then you bring Gordon up at some point. How uh, how interested are you or curious are, are, are you about this team going into 2019, do you think? Twins? Twins, uh, yes. Very, because I'm curious to see how this new brain trust, because 
how they shape this roster and because there's a lot of holes to fill. When you look at this would be accurate. When you look at <laughs> last year when it finished of the position players, who would you say slam dunk right there? That's his job. Rosario. Rosario. Left fielder. And that's it. Uh, not. Uh, I would have liked to say that about Kepler, but I can't. No. Right field. Buxton, you can't. Center field, absolutely not. Third base, I have no idea. Um, shortstop, you think, Plonko? Yeah, shortstop, I think. Uh, first base, it's Crone now, now but, but it, it wasn't at the time. Catcher. Mm-hmm. Catcher's probably Castro. So they've got, they have to remake this. I mean, they have, well, you're, that's a big if with his, with his health. But so they have to remake this roster. They have to remake the bullpen. And so you're going to find out about what these, what their strategy is and kind of their vision. And are they going to be willing to go try to make a splash at the winter meetings? I don't think so. I, I that's not my sense. I think this is a, I think this is a little ways out still. Still, still a slow build. Yes. I and think that's probably what they wanted to do from the jump, and then they made the playoffs, I, and it. it I think the them. Mets, the Mets had to go get Brody, is it Van Wagner or something like that, mm-hmm. the agent for Degrom, because he was the only guy that would tell the Wilpons, "I'll win now." Everybody, all of the youngsters, and I don't, I don't say this in a negative light towards them, but all of the youngsters now who are being hired as executives are all saying, "We're going to build something," and the Wilpons heard from a bunch of people that said. We'll win eventually, but not in 2019. And the agent came along and said, "Give me the job, and and I'll win." And he went and traded for Cano, and he's he's making trades that short term might be great and long term might be destructive. Mm-hmm. But I don't think the new way of building a baseball team now is to ever come in and say, "I'm going to win." Everybody is all. Everybody else is looking at what the Astros and the Cubs did. Yeah, and they that those teams bottomed out for a handful of years, and then boom, it, they were they were. Two uh, two World Series champions in sixteen and seventeen. Especially the Astros. What was it three years ago or four years ago? Now maybe they had the lowest payroll. What was their mm-hmm. payroll? Something ridiculous that like oh they, they got forty like, million dollars yeah. or something. No, it was, no, it was like was it, was it like, it was like 15, it's like fifteen, 15 million. They yeah, bottomed it. And and I think you also saw it uh, reflected in the free agent market last year, where guys sat out and thinking they were going to get these big deals, yes. and all of a sudden. That money in this new era of baseball well, is no longer there. The one thing I like, and there's lots of things about where baseball's gone I don't like, Chipper, but one thing I do like is I think we're seeing the end of the stupid long-term contract. Yeah. The well, days and, of 10 years are just gone, are gone and they mm-hmm. should be. That's, that's ridiculous. That and paying these just ginormous salaries for past uh, performance. Yes, and a lot of these guys said pool holes. We don't really care, but pool, <laughs> you know. pool holes got ten years. Cano ten years in Seattle. Yeah, yeah. I think it was ten. That's ridiculous. And yeah. these guys are thirty, thirty, thirty-one years old getting these contracts. And there's nothing, there's nothing that you can do to me to justify that. That's just that's foolish. So it's going to be interesting when you mentioned Doja, where a guy like you know started last year. You're thinking, man, he's going to get a pretty big long-term deal. To where now, you know, he gets traded, he's not really a factor out in L.A. What's his value now? Gentlemen, I got a theory as well. So I've been wondering, like, it, se- it seems like there- there's a collusion of- about how contracts are being done now. And I and I was thinking to myself, what's going on here? And I was listening to something and heard an idea, and I like it. I think what they're trying to do, what what the owners and executives are trying to do in baseball, is create a floor so players can be like because because you could if you're the twins you could come back in two thousand and something with twelve million dollar pl- p- payroll something really stupid mm-hmm. right obnoxiously mm-hmm. stupid and players are like this that that's not fair 
I think they want to create. I think what they're trying to do is get a lot of players to try and get a floor because if you do that, you'll get a ceiling and then you'll have a salary cap. Mm. I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to pinch. If you can pinch the majority of the players into saying, we got to get something here and the Astros are spending $2 million, that's not fair. And they're like, okay, floor is 50, 60 million bucks. And now the players are like, okay, that's fair. Okay, but if you want that, then I got to have a ceiling. Yeah, mm. could be. I think this is baseball's no, first. We're gonna cap you out. Yeah, we're gonna, yeah, I, think, yeah. I think this is baseball's first step towards saying, here's how we get a cap by giving the players a floor. Because you think, the scopes of the world are going to be like, oh yeah, great, I'll make ten million then. Yeah, could mm. be. Yeah, I mean, it's evil, but, but I love it. Yeah, it, but it, there obviously was a dramatic shift in philosophy last off season, right? Oh I mean, yeah, the number of guys but that were like sitting collusion. out without jobs. It felt like it, it, yeah. it was a collusion, and there was a lot like of talk feeling. about that because there were yes. so many guys yes. who, in previous years, would have had deals. I mean, they, they just would have. And Martinez was yeah. really upset that he didn't get more than what he got, <laughs> and he should have been. And yeah. yeah, and then look at the year he had. <laughs> Correct. And it also went the other way where we saw it here, where guys get off to a bad start, and you and you could see that they're pressing or they're frustrated because. They're not playing well, and they're on a one-year deal, and they know they're losing money by the start. Or oh, by the, the mercenaries day. here last year, yeah, and it just pollutes the. I never room. even thought about that until until, until we started happened. to see it. <laughs> I know, seriously, I thought, oh, Lomo, uh, you know, great deal, Lance Lynn. This is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Look at yeah. what the Twins are getting. I was all on board with Lance. I Lynn. never, I never, just like with Butler, I never gave a second of thought to. I wonder what these people are really like as as far as people. Oh wait, they're mercenaries, yeah. and they're incredibly unhappy now. And so, guess what? They're pouting. Well, and you wonder if they. You know, obviously, they sort of did the same thing with this guy. It's a one-year deal, and you know, the, I'm sure players are saying, "Well, I got to gamble on myself, and I'll go have a good year." I think, the, but if it does, if it goes south, it's it's a tough situation. Mm-hmm. Don't you think the difference though is this? This guy, yes, he's taking a deal, but it's December. Okay, so he's signing it. I think the problem with a guy like Lynn is he sat there thinking, my payday's coming, my payday's coming. Yeah. And you get to spring training and it's not there. Yeah. That, I think that is that's the where difference. you get really better. Yeah. And, you know, you're these you know these teams aren't don't see the value in I am, and, you know, I should be making $40 million or whatever. I should have a multi-year so contract. I'm just gonna eat and not care anymore. Yeah. Get, get <laughs> I'm just going to get fat instead of pitch well. I don't give a damn. Thanks, Chip Scott. Right, brother, Appreciate it. Mackie joins next TCL Broadcast Studios. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oakley, Oakley. On 1500 ESPN.